everybody, and welcome to a special full episode of my podcast called God Out of Heart Wrestling, featuring yours truly, Jamal Honus. Thank God, everybody, I am back to record a very special episode here today with you guys, and sorry I've been away for the past number of weeks. It's been a long absence, over a month. I believe I recorded my last episode on October 29th, about my one-year anniversary with my podcast, which has been a tremendous success there. Thank God I'm leaving for that, you guys. I put up a three-month schedule featuring the next full episodes, special episodes, by the way, for my podcast, God at Fire Wrestling. You can follow me on Twitter, Phenomenal1J, and it's, it's really special. You know, been working a lot. My family getting ready for the holidays. We just had Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, and it's been really tremendous success. Yeah, I'm happy, you know, finally back in a good place here. Not that it wasn't a bad place, but, you know, you're going to have to... Spending a lot of time with your family, too, and yeah, it's been really good from here on out. But today, I'm going to talk about a special episode of the most rebellious faction, probably around the dawn of the Attitude Era. That faction is known as The Generation X. Alrighty, welcome back here. Introducing The Generation X, a really well-known as DX, how they really put their flagship and stamp on the landscape of the WWE back in the late 90s, before the Attitude Era was even a thing by Mr. Man in December of 97. Let's go back all the way to 1997 and look at the careers of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. It's been such a blast for these two to be at the top of their games during those times. Shawn Michaels, beginning 97, was the WWE Champion by Roy Rumble, while Triple H was still getting his foot on the ground as the Intercontinental Champion, feuding with one Dustin Runnels, a.k.a. Goldust. And you gotta really feel that, you know, at some point, even though these guys maybe had a handful of matches, very few, might add, the first time these two faced off, I think, was in 1995. I think they had one match on Monday Night Raw in 1996. Other than that, you know, not really much interaction, at least off-screen, between Triple H and Shawn Michaels here. But let's go back to 1996. Let me take you back a little tiny bit. Let's go back to the infamous curtain call in MSG in May 96. We all know the story about Hall and Nash having their contracts with WWE up in smoke and knowing that they publicly have stated they're going down south to WCW. And with that, being as close friends with both Hunter and Sean at the time, they add the infamous curtain call, which systematically broke character for those in tennis that night, the live event there, we had that still case match between Sean and Diesel, where Sean Michaels wanted to retain his WWE Championship. Of course, he had Hall and Hunter come out there to join all together as one group known as the infamous Click, you know, as stated back in the day. And of course, they broke carrots by hugging each other, saying their goodbyes on TV, and, you know, in front of the worldwide audience, you know, that time match got about some 20,000 fans, you know, which is really good attendance record for MSG event, you know, but uh, had that on, not on screen, but in front of the fans and tennis that night, working character, of course, it made this man a little bit, you know, very mad at that time, Well, Sean was untouchable, Sean was a champion, you can't really penalize Sean for that, Hall and Nash were out the business, Triple H suffered most of the punishment at that time, and... Stated. Remember, there was a rumor that Triple H was supposed to win the 1996 King of the Ring before those plans fell out. And of course, we all know the story about Stone Cold Steve Austin having breath with Austin 316 that night, becoming the 1996 King of the Ring in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And of course, you know, Triple H put him back burner. And it took about seven months for Triple H to get back on speed when he defeated the Wild Man, Mark Merrill, on October 1996 episode of Monday Night Raw to become the Intercontinental Champion thanks to Mr. Perfect. 
And it's kind of weird. You know, you think about that. You go back to that segment, and we all know the story Mr. Perfect, where I think about a week or two later, went to WCW because his contract was up. You know, we thought, everybody, I guess the whole world had thought rumored that Mr. Perfect was going to make an in-ring return to WWF back in that time. But I guess not. You know, because seemingly he didn't technically return to the ring when he went to WCW, just appeared as manager, and later on rejoined the New World Order, created by Hogan, Hall, and Nash. After Hall and Nash had left WWE, and of course, the infamous segment at Bash Beach, the main event there, where we saw the formation of the NWO for the first time when Hogan turned heel. But nonetheless, you know, Triple H was the incoming champion now, and Sean was still the champion. Only were the losing title, the cycle said at the 1996 Survivor Series, but also regained it at the 1997 Rumble, and it sold out a crowd of 66,000 fans in the Alamo Dome in his hometown, San Antonio, Texas. And of course, you know, injuries caught up with Sean and had the infamous smile loss or lost his smile on the Thursday Raw Thursday, February 97. And of course, Triple H went on to Cuba Goldust into WrestleMania 13 that time in Chicago and retaining his um, IC championship. So, not too bad, you know. But yeah, you know, who would have thought that you get these two together, who are actual friends in real life, both Sean and Hunter? to make the infamous D-Generation X there. And people didn't even know. When they first got together on TV, you know, let's go, let's fast forward to August 97. Right, we had that uh, tag team, I think it was August 11, 97 that night, we had uh, Sean and Hunter versus Mankind, McFoley, and The Undertaker, you know, on Monday Night Raw. And that's when pretty much all started there, you know, when, you know, Sean and The Undertaker was in this, engaging rivalry there, which pretty much started at SummerSlam involving Bret Hart in the WWE Championship. So we, you know, we go back to that, right, and of course Hunter was feuding with Mick Foley that, that time as Mankind. And we saw those uh, infamous two chair shots that Sean busted the Undertaker open with those two chair shots there, and of course an assist by Hunter, who had also had China as his manager that time, and can we say how amazing China is? I mean, even though Triple H's bodyguard, a quote-unquote bodyguard at that time, this woman, it really is the ninth one of the world. We saw her back for the first time at In Your House Final Four when she made her debut attacking Marlena with that infamous chokehold with those, you know, tree trunk-like arms wrapped around, like, Marlena, who was Terry Reynolds' throat, you know, from the, from the crowd that night, and... Nobody knew who the woman was. It's like revealed next time in the world that her name is China and that she is his bodyguard. It's so crazy to think about that. And you think, like, wow, this is going to be his preparation. You know, this is kind of going to boost his superstar morality. And it's going to take him to another level. And it clearly did. Down the road, we see things from China that would help or assist Triple H in every single one of his matches. And it's crazy, you know? It really got so much so good that he won the 1997 King of the Ring in Providence, Rhode Island, here in Providence, where I reside. So, but it's pretty crazy though. You know, looking back at that, you think like, damn, this this was probably one of the best ideas to recruit China and bring her into the WBF and have her be his bodyguard. It's it's pretty amazing. It really is. You know, it's it's probably one of the best things that could have happened at that time with Hunter. You know, but yeah, fast forward back to you, August 11, 1997. You know, we saw that tag team match there. We saw the end of that match. And I think people had known that these real-life friends, Sean and Hunter, are actually going to be together on TV from now on. You know, so, uh, quote-unquote. And it's pretty crazy. It, it really got big when we went to uh, 
let's see, what was the event? WBF one and only in uh, I think Birmingham, England that night, where we saw the main event, Sean challenging the British Bulldog for the European Championship. We saw how we all saw about the match, you know. We saw the infamous uh insurance policy, Rick Rude there, you know, assist probably to China and damaging the Bulldog's ankle when he slipped off that uh high rise outside of the ring. You know, we saw Sean walking that figure four, which put the hurting on the Bulldog's ankle, had no choice but to submit, and Sean is now your European champion. The second ever European champion in history, mind you. So yeah, you know, we had this group DX that, you know, really came together. It really came together on the October thirteenth episode of Raw, I believe, where Sean said that we are the generation next and we made the rules and we will break them. You know, quote unquote. I think that Technically, was the birth of the generation next right there. You know, it's crazy to say, like, it was probably one of the most infamous smart decisions that that we could do at the time. You know, I remember this is a rumor though when Joe Budge and Sean first brought the uh, brought up the idea to Mr. McMahon himself. He didn't like it, didn't like it whatsoever. But to the point where, you know, when they announced it on TV on episode of Raw in October '97. And it just really clicked with it. it. It was like it was like gold, you know. It's pretty crazy to believe that. Like now, looking back at it, wow, it was like one of the smartest things they could ever do, you know. I think any other name wouldn't fit. Even a click wouldn't have been like more rebellious name than D Generation X. You know, this is this is pretty cool. You know, I was a big fan at that time, both Joe and Sean. So when they got together, made that name, and it's like wow. Okay, it's pretty cool. Now, China in the corner at the insurance policy, Rick Rude. I don't know what Rick Rude was there for, really. He wasn't very much in physical action. He was, quote unquote, the insurance policy, but we think about it. You know, he got the haircut, he got the suit. He carried around his freaking case to ring on a briefcase, what the hell it was. Leather briefcase, but like, he didn't really do much. You know, I mean, it's safe to say, I mean, Rick Rude's one of the best legends in the WWE's history, but at the time, at the time, I don't know. It's kind of weird because going back a month later, I think it was one week after the 1997 Survivor Series, infamous matches where the quote unquote Brett screw Brett thing happened. Sean became the WWE champion. Sean was now the champion and the European at the same time, two belts. Rick Rude left, you know, WWE for WCW. And this was so drastically, this is the dumbest thing that happened where the, I think, remember 17, you have someone at Raw, right? Where they had recorded Rick Rude episode of Raw and simultaneously, because Raw was taped, it wasn't live. They turned on to WCW's Nitro that same time, the same very second time. There's no time difference. You know, it wasn't, you know, like Rick Rude was in both places. WCW Nitro was live, Raw was taped. So you can tell that Rick Rude coming out on Raw, but then he's coming to the ring at wherever the hell Nitro was at that time. So I'm like, is Rick Rude in two places at one time? But no. The real story was that Rick Rude was technically live in down south on Nitro while he was taped on my Raw. That was probably one of the most dumbest things that could ever happen. You know, that was kind of a WWE fuck up right there, you know, because you can obviously tell that everybody knew what WCW was live. So Rick Rude was down there at WCW live on TV while they had show footage of him at a taped Raw that I think they taped like a couple of days ahead of the time. I don't know what WWE schedule was, but something like that, you know? And it's like, okay, this is pretty weird. You know, I don't know why WWE would show that, but I don't think that at the time they knew that 
you know, WWE was going to air it live on TV at the same exact time that they're airing the tape footage of him on Monday Night Raw. So, yeah, this is pretty weird, you know. But nonetheless, you know, I guess DX was now just like Sean and China, which I think it should have been all along. But think of the crazy antics at the time that they were doing. You know, who remembers the strip poker game? I think it was a match with uh, the headman is facing somebody in the tag team match up there. And, uh, you see Sean Michaels take off his pants <laughs> outside the ring and then enter the rampway there and playing that strip poker. Yeah, I think Sean was bad at poker because Triple H and Sean were full, fully dressed and uh, Sean was taking his pants off on live television. So <laughs> it was pretty crazy, you know? It was. I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought maybe it was a little bit too much for the audience to bear. And I don't know if little because of watching the team at the time, but it was pretty damn funny. It was. For the most part, I enjoyed it, and I, I really wanted to see what more was going to happen, what else they were going to do. So, yeah, pretty crazy at the same time, you know, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. You know, it, it was pretty cool. And such, it gave a little, um, much more airtime. I feel like, you know, Tawaiju was more of a serious competitor at the time, not really just, but until he got that on-screen role with Shawn Michaels, became Dean Jewish next, and he saw the more humor funny side out of out of Hunter herself at the time. So it was, it was pretty good. It was a good thing for both of them to get together and help each other out in that some sort of way. You know, so it was pretty cool. You know, it was. And then what well, the weirdest thing that happened afterwards, I think was like a week or two after that, where I think Sean was engaging in the field with Ken Shamrock, you know, at the time. And they had that segment where they were up on stage Sean's in a wheelchair, you know, because he just like the ankle's broken. But, and then Yet was just twisting his boot all the way around. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? How are we doing this? You know? And then, <laughs> like he could, he could, he could have, take the pain of the dangerous, dreaded ankle lock by Ken Shamrock in time. And, you know, Sean's keeps saying, give him some more pain, give him some more pain, you know? <laughs> so that's like he could take the pain. That was one of the hilarious things I've ever seen, you know. It was just it was just pure comedy, it was pure gold and for the most part, you know, I enjoyed it. You know, you can get a really good laugh at Sean, no matter what he says or what he does, he's always gonna give you something to laugh about, you know, or joke around about later on, you know. It was pretty funny for the most part. But yeah, we come back, we'll talk about the N ninety seven and how they really ushered in the attitude era and what DX went on from there. And we'll be right back after these messages. Alrighty, welcome back to the special DJ Next, the early two years of this episode. Brought to you by Jamal Honus here on the special podcast, or actually my special podcast, God Have Heart Wrestling, featuring me, Jamal Honus. And, you know, look back at it, you know, we got Christmas coming up here in real life here. But we think about Christmas in a WWE, you think about some of the dirty antics. Probably wrong Santa Claus. And I was watching the, uh, let's see, what was it? The uh, holiday Christmas special, a documentary edition on the Peacock, you know, Dutty Network on Peacock. And I've seen all these segments where that Santa Claus get beat up by superstars, the Tribute to the Troops segment, the uh, Mankind Ballroom facing Santa Claus segment, you know, the 34th Miracle Street fight and all that. You know, even probably the best one I've seen was Hornswoggle winning that Battle Royal from 2011 against Sheamus. That was actually one, probably one of the best things that happened because. Now here from Swagger Talk. Pretty cool, right? But this is crazy. You think about a DX Christmas. You go back to late 1997. I think it was December 22nd. Episode of Man Rock with Lowell, Massachusetts. 
And mind you, this is the same building where Shawn Michaels vacated the championship back in February on Thursday, Raw Thursday. We're now back here, December 22nd. DS has a special segment. And let's just say we were in store for a very special treat. Uh, once we see Chopin and Shawn come out in these robes, and I'm thinking, okay, hoping on fully naked in these robes. We have a mistletoe on the ass of China, which was is pretty cool. I actually didn't mind that too much. But, like, and, you know, here's Sean Mike saying, like, he's talking and have this special DX Christmas. And they take off the robes and they have little Santa Claus hats on their ass, cheeks out. It was pretty much what Sean had described in DX Confidential, a Santa Claus hat thong. And I was like, wow, okay, this is really going over the whole thing here, you know. And this is like, what, a week before where Mr. Man ushered in the editor with that special segment, you know. And now we're having this on TV. I think at the time, uh, there was a special thing that brought up. The the USA Network had sent a letter in and saying that the stuff the Antics or DX was doing to what Deshaun were a little over the top, too much, you got to take down a notch. Can't say this and that on TV, but we'll get to that segment where that infamous uh thing happened with uh, <laughs> the presidential DX uh thingy in February ninety ninety eight. But let's still stay with this there. This segment was so damn crazy. It was watched by a lot of people there, and I think people in the audience enjoyed it that night. It wouldn't have been too much, but it was actually pure genius and really funny as hell. If you have not ever seen the segment. Go back to the Raw on December 22nd, 97, and watch that segment. You're going to be very surprised to see. I, they probably might have blurred it out by now. But if you have watched it before when it actually happened in 97, you, you, you already know the rest there. So <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think that, like, you know, how Triple H and Sean will go this far there to, uh, you know, have that. But also, something else happened that night, too, that same night with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. There's a lot that came out. Was turned into the antics and had made a European championship match between Chuba and Sean to wrestle each other. So we go to the match later on that night, and what we'll they okay, is it gonna be a DX implosion? Are they gonna break up? Whatsoever. You know, there only could be one European champion. You know, is Sean gonna gonna win it? You know, whatsoever. So at the beginning of the match, we have, you know, Chuba knocking down Sean, just shoved him to the ground, and we have Chuba running. Hitting the rope back and forth for about like a good two, three minutes or so. And we're like, okay, these two in early fight, they're playing around. And somebody's doing this weakest splash I've ever seen ever in my entire life. He gets the pinfall one, two, three, and all of a sudden, Triple H is a European champion. I guess Sean didn't really care about the belt too much since he was already the World Restoration champion. So, yeah, you know, you got Triple H, the European champion now. Sean's still the Dodo champion. And I guess they stick it to Slaughter that night, you know. And Joe just, <laughs> he was taking the mic, and he's like, oh, I did it, you know, the champion, you know, and it was, it was pretty funny, you know, they they pulled the wool everybody's eyes that night, and it was just, it was surreal, it, it was pretty cool, at the same time, it was surreal, you know, as a fan, I actually thought it was funny, but then it was kind of a disgrace to, you know, wrestle that could have actually won that belt. You know, it's like it, it, it's just like Sean just gave him the belt. I'm like, okay, take, keep it, take it. You know, so yeah. But that was a pretty interesting segment, and I liked it for the most part there. But yeah, you know, pretty cool segment to say the least there. And of course, you know, they leave off, you know, 97 both champions that night. So it's pretty cool. 
But actually, go back to a couple weeks ago a little bit. Because we had a special in your house that was named at the generation. The generation was so big at the time where the company had a pay-per-view in their name. It was, it was in December 1977 where you had, uh, you know, the whole show was about DX. But even the stage, we had the DX logo as the stage production there. And it was pretty cool. You know, you had uh, Triple H was certified in a boot camp match at the time. And it was so cool, you know. We saw a lot of things about that matchup there. We had the main event where Sean was defending the WWE Championship against Ken Shamrock at the time. And then you had O'Hart making this comeback. And, you know, pretty sure Michael's through the announce table there. Sean was still able to retain the championship that night. It was it was pretty. It was chaotic. But it was pretty cool because at this event, you got the one of the first ever pay-per-view meetings between Stone Cold Steve Austin and then Rock that night for the Intercontinental Championship. And... That match is badass itself. You know, Stone Cold won that match that night. You know, so, yeah. Pretty crazy to see here. You know, we saw that Austin 316 truck. He drove in and stunned D. LeBron on top of the hood, if I remember that correctly. But, you know, yeah. Pretty pretty cool to say the least, though, you know. So, yeah. Very successful night. It was a spring for mass. And, you know, we saw a segment where I don't take it defeating Jeff Jarrett, the NWA champ, Jeff Jarrett, and then Kane comes out. And then... Just pummeled down his brother. It was pretty crazy, though, for the most part. But very successfully, man. I enjoyed it. I can definitely watch that event back-to-back anytime I want on the Peacock. WWE Network on Peacock. And it was just pretty cool to see, you know, how synonymous the group had gotten to have their own event named after them. You know, it was pretty cool for the most part. Now, as we go to the year 1998, we will see, you know, more things happen with D-Generation next year. And... You know, pretty crazy, more stunts, more antics, you know, especially that time where they were sitting up on the stage. And then I think one time, I think China was wearing a pink outfit. I didn't, this is the time we saw China expressing her feminine side. I think she had got a very enlarged boob job. And I saw a segment where I think Troy Sean said, China's got two. two, two nickels, you know, <laughs> so, something, like, something like that along those words. And, it was pretty cool, you know, to see that more feminine side of her. Yeah, I think I think I saw a sign on stage where they were sitting there watching the match and said, I, I think Sean had the sign that said, I'd rather be in China, you know? <laughs> and we saw a sign said, down where, down here, you know? We saw more of those, like, you know, phrases that put out these new D-Nerds Next t-shirts, you know? It's pretty crazy. I love the group so much. I have the original... DJ Rich Next logo on the t-shirt. The very first one that came out back in 97, I have a, a duplicate t-shirt of that. And it's pretty cool. You know, every time I wear it, you know, it says the back, it says two words, suck it with the X logo. It's, it's pretty cool. It's one of the best t-shirts that would come out other than Austin 316. You know, I, I think DX probably the probably second best shirt, fastest selling shirt that come out that time. And it's pretty cool because everyone had it, you know. I mean, think about it. All the phrases that these guys do, two words, suck it. You know, the DS cross chop, you know, it's pretty cool because I think if you don't, if you really wasn't a WWE fan at the time, you know, you would, if somebody would do that to you, you'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, I know what that is. I know what the cross chop is and all that. You know, it's pretty badass. You know, I, I enjoyed the most part. I think one time I did it as a kid because I seen it on TV so much, but then, like, you didn't have to be a wrestling fan to know what that was. You know, you didn't be like, Oh, I got two words for you, suck it. Say it to somebody in real life. Like, you already know where that's from. Because it was such a universal thing at the time. Everybody was doing it. You know, it was that's how popular D Generation X was, you know. 
And it's pretty crazy. Everybody was literally doing it, you know? But yeah, you know, head into the year 98, of course, we had Sean had this uh, casting match come with the Undertaker at White Rainbow in San Jose that night. And I think that's what kind of things could, took a turn for the worst there. You know, if you go back and watch that match, it was a great match. One of the best catch matches ever. One of the best catch matches ever. You know, Sean the Undertaker that night. But it was pretty crazy when Sean was in the top rope, you know, about to go right to the Undertaker. Undertaker backdrops him over the ropes, over the casket. And technically, that wasn't supposed to happen because the edge, the lower part of Sean's back hit the edge of the casket. And uh, it was probably one of the most gruesome injuries any wrestler could ever sustain at the time, especially in a big title matchup there. Where we knew the Deadbees already knew what direction were going. They have Austin. I had won the World Rumble match that night, and Austin on WrestleMania. The company was going to be shifted from Sean to Austin at the time. But now that Sean's hurt, you can kind of put in question about what else was going to happen at the time. Like, how were they going to get to Mania with Sean having a severe back injury that could possibly end his career? You know? It was so crazy a time where, even though Sean had won things to several wrestlers in Kane that night, Sean had won the cast match, still champion, Undertaker. I guess, well, I don't know. He got sent on fire with a casket thanks to his brother Kane. You know, but Sean was a champion. But I guess at the time, this man said, okay, let's not Sean get anything physical or wild. Any matters in Sylvania. Technically, Vince was about to take the butt away for Sean. But Sean said, no. Sean will make it to Mania. Just don't do anything physical with him. Just let him have his next match against Austin and Mania. Just like that. You know, just to protect the champion, protect his health. So, it's pretty crazy. You know, I think that's probably the smartest things to do, you know. And now you have Mike Tyson. Next Night Raw was announced that he will be the special enforcer for WrestleMania there. Of course, Dunkle didn't like him one bit. And Sean, I guess, wasn't much of a big fan of Tyson. Well, at least we thought. Until what had happened a few weeks, a month after that. You know, but before we even get that... When we come back after this message, we'll talk about what else happened on that very special wedding, February 2nd, 1980 episode of Raw with the whole uh, DS presidential speech, I guess if you want to call it that, but it was pretty funny. We'll be right back after this advertising. All right, welcome back to a special early year of DJ Generation Next episode featuring your show, Jim Honus, on my podcast, God of Heart Wrestling, here. And it's pretty crazy. You know, going back to. Uh, 1998 with D-Generation they were pretty much on top of the world. You know, if you think about it, everything I did in 1997 into 1998 with Sean the champion, Triple H being the European champion, and it was just like, it was pretty crazy. But not many people really talk about the injury Triple H has suffered. He has suffered a, a ankle injury or something like that, or uh, some kind of leg injury, but the, you know, there's time he was on the crunches at the time, and even though Triple H was still wrestling here and there, but he wasn't fully active, and definitely Sean was active. You got the question, like, is he just next come to an end here? I mean, Sean's injured, obviously. Triple H is on the verge of being injured. He's, like, mind injured, and yeah, China there. Both Triple H and Sean are current champions in the WWE. But it's pretty safe to say that where are we going to go now? You know, we still got Sean Major Man, I guess, you know, cold. I guess they were doing a few with Triple H and uh, Owen Hart at the time for the European title, which one time, I think late in February, where Triple H had... Uh, had a match with Owen Hart and lost the championship to Owen Hart at the time before a week later to watch got it back. But then, yeah, it's pretty crazy, you know. All these injuries just happen out of nowhere. 
you know, what's well, wrong was on though. Triple H was like, eh, he's minor injury. He can still go, you know. So pretty crazy though. But going back to that infamous segment where Troy Shawn Michaels acts like they were the president of the United States talking at the podium and uh, saying things that the USA Network would not allow them to say these certain words. Uh, what Triple H said, ass, damn, and hell between hours 9 and 10 or 10 or 11. <laughs> oh, man. That's probably one of the best yes segments ever. Like, I can definitely watch that segment over and over and still get a kick out of it just because the way they acted upon it, it was so damn funny. They, it was pure genius. You know, but it was, a, it was a, actually a real thing. You'll see that was not happy with the direction that they were talking about. Things they, they, were, they were doing these funny antics and sexual innuendos. But it was so different at the time, they had written a letter to the company, to Mr. Man himself, saying that so much is Sean, DJ Richard entirely cannot do this and that and say, or say this and that the, on, on the network, you know? And then uh, it was still cussing, you know, in a funny way at the time, you know, and Sean, at the last part, I did this is him, this is what they did, I mean, this was just him being him. He's like, I did not sleep with the young intern. As a matter of fact, he was up all night, and it was, it was the funniest thing ever, you know, it was, it, was, it was damn sure hilarious, you know, I I get a kick out of it every time, I just watched it the other day, I could still laugh my ass off about it, it's pure, pure funniness, you know, and even after, um, yes, I remember I watched that segment, and even though they were mad at first, they were actually laughing at the, at the fact that Sean included that last part in, and so they gave them a little tiny bit of leeway to do some of the funny stuff, but not take it Two over the top. You know, we are the beginning of the attitude over here, but it was just pure genius, you know? It really was. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was damn sure funny, you know? So, yeah, damn sure funny. And now we're going down the road to WrestleMania, and I'm preparing for the main event here. They had the segment where, you know, Mike Tyson talked about being the baddest man on the planet, quote unquote, by Mr. Man himself. So, Sean took a Bit of a disliking to that. So I think it was the last episode of Raw, of not February '98, where these two were about to go at it. You know, I went out. Okay, Sean and Mike about to mix up here. This is gonna be something like in the news, like we saw with Austin Tyson right after the War Rebels on Raw. There, that made headlines everywhere. The main thing everybody was talking about the next night, the next day from that memory of Raw episode. January 19, 1998, was Austin Tyson. It was pretty much everywhere. Everybody in the world was talking about it. And now we're going to have possibly Sean and Mike mix it up here until Sean talked that shirt and then revealed that Sean, Mike Tyson had a DX shirt. And I'm like, holy shit, Mike Tyson is part of DX? Oh, this is crazy. This is going to make them really fucking big. Like, wow. This was probably one of the best things that could ever happen to DX again. They'll just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is probably one of the best ideas ever. Like, you know, and now every time, well, oh, Mike Tyson's part of D-Generation next. You know, I think Stone Cold's going to get a scooter off to Mania. Sean's going to still be champion after Mania. Like, the whole thing was unraveling. I'm like, wow. This was a huge, huge swerve, but in a good way for DX. Like, it was just, it was crazy. It was the thing that you did not see coming. Because I really thought Mike Tyson was going to knock Sean's knocked Sean out, or Sean was in Russell Tyson now, like, you know, but a complete swerve, like, nobody expected that to reveal that Mike Tyson is a part of DX, you know, quote-unquote, like, it was 
pretty damn thrill. You know, I, I enjoyed it. As a fan, I, I was surprised. But I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Mike Tyson DX. No, Mike Tyson's going to be doing a cross chop and saying, suck it, you know. His little weird voice, you know. <laughs> but for the most part, it, it was pretty cool. I, I like this for the most part. And I, I just thought it was definitely the best thing that could happen. You know, so, but yeah, for the most part, it was. And even at that, you know, going forward, you know, there was still, like, you know, having awesome most of these matches against, like, the, the Newage Outlaws at the time. And it's pretty crazy here. You know, speaking of the Outlaws, I was on top. They were attacking champions, people with LOD, now, you know, feeling with uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, who was known as um, Chainsaw Charlie with that thing there. And it's pretty crazy. You kind of saw a little bit of he's playing in that, where Dallas started working with Triple H in China, and a little bit of Shawn Michaels as well. Yeah, you can see, like, hmm, it's too late. Now Dallas can become new members or be recruited into DX. Like, I think you can see little by little the seeds are being planted there, how, you know, degenerate the outlaws were going. Because Billy Gunn and Dog, they were going to tag team. Singles players, uh, they sucked. But when they got together... Atlanta 7 and became Titan Champions. I think that's probably the best thing for their career. They became synonymous. They really did. They became one of the best tag teams in the WWE at that time. So, you know, there was big things bound to happen for them. And them working with, not being a part of the X at the time before WrestleMania, but working with them, like, yeah, these guys are going to the top, you know? These guys are just going to get bigger and bigger, you know? Especially that infamous uh, dumpster match segment on February 2nd, 98, where they had Chainsaw Charlie and Captain Jack in the dumpster, and they just rolled off the stage. And I thought that was probably the most horrific thing that I've ever seen any human people can do to two other human beings. Like, damn, these guys took a little too far, you know? But it was, like, it was pretty crazy. It really showed how far they were willing to take this ball and roll it. Like, they were really more degenerate than Generation X, maybe a little bit, you know, sort of say. Even though they got their asses kept at WrestleMania and Boston, Cat Jack Chainsaw Charlie won the Tag Champs from Outlaws in that same dumpster match, <laughs> you know. So it was like that was a pretty cool match. It was one of the close matches that happened that night at WrestleMania, other than Undertaker and Kane and Sean and Austin. So yeah, but it's crazy. You can see a little bit of seeds planted with them, but working with DS is gonna be like that in the future, you know. Sort of say, but other than that it was pretty cool though. You know, for Sean Triple H, Sean was really you know working. Being trying to be ready for WrestleMania, of course, Austin was doing it, then he can't be ready for WrestleMania and all that. And of course, Mike Tyson getting all this media coverage on the news and whatnot, saying that he's gonna call the match right down the middle, but we don't believe that's possible because with DX, how you can call the match down the middle is with DX, and you know, Sean's gonna walk out WrestleMania still champion and such and such, you know, even though nothing happened, but you know, we all know what really happened at WrestleMania. But then, like, next was so big. We had the, um, they had the uh, WrestleMania workout in downtown Boston. And which that event was supposed to be, be like a couple thousand fans, you know, downtown Boston. They had the whole thing bought out. I think my mom uh, saw this and uh, explained to me how big the event was because they expected a couple thousand. They had over 10,000 fans, close to 15,000 fans that night in Boston, outside in the cold, public workout. Where it had cement right before Mania, I think it was like the weekend of Mania or a week of Mania, but like still, you know, it became a big thing because people, everybody wanted to be there to see what was going to happen. They had a segment where, you know, DX talk, come out and talk about trash about Austin and WrestleMania and all that because they had dubbed WrestleMania 14 X rated. That was the tagline for WrestleMania X rated just because 
it was DX getting the majority of the spotlight going towards Mania. You know, that's how big it was. And then I saw the segment there where, or at least I heard, I saw a segment where a I think a double D battery was thrown in the head of Shawn Michaels at the time. And Shawn, I guess, was going through a lot of things at the time. And he wasn't in a good place, but he's still champion. So he had to still do his job. But I guess whoever launched that battery right Shawn Michaels' head, and Shawn just dropped the mic, left the ring, and went back to the limousine. He was so pissed that he didn't want to come off for us to the remainder of the show. They didn't even know that there was a segment that was supposed to happen at the end of that at a public workout was uh Snow Cookie watched me tight and rough by Mike Tyson replacing Sean kissing him, you know, on the on top of his top of his head, his forehead, you know, whatsoever. And the chance of being shoved right in his face. You know, I was I planned segments supposed to happen and I was in, up in the air if Sean was gonna do it or not because he was so pissed about having a battery being thrown on his head. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why Sean doesn't like going to Boston because of that, you know? It sucks because how wild is my hometown, you know? This is like the best thing. You know, it's pretty cool. But thank God the segment did go on as pleased, and they had both Mike and Sean kiss Stone Cold on top of his, his bald head, and while being the, having the WWE Championship being shoved right in his face. So it's pretty crazy. You know, for the most part, I liked it. It was a great segment. It was a great public workout. It turned out to be very tremendous success at the time. So, but that was pretty cool. You know, for the most part, you know. When we come back, we'll wrap this up in this episode of God of Heart Wrestling, and then we'll tell you what went down at WrestleMania and what happened with the aftermath of the generation X. All right, I am back here on the special early year of the generation X episode of my podcast, God of Heart Wrestling, featuring his truly Malhonis here. So we still talked about the DS plug workout or WrestleMania workout, whatever happened in downtown Boston at the time. Getting for WrestleMania there. Tremendous success that event was. Of course, Sean wasn't happy about the whole battery incident, but he came back and did the final plan segment for the event. We are now ready to go into WrestleMania 14, X-rated in Boston after the fleet sound at the time. You know, it sold out WrestleMania. Even though WrestleMania wasn't in the stadium, it was in the fleet center, a much smaller venue. About 20,000 fans or so could fit that table. It was one of the best wrestling of all time. I mean, you have the... Mixed tag team match with Mark Camaro, Sable versus the artist woman as Goldust and Luna. You know, we had that 14 team battle royal, the return of Legion of Doom here. And then you had Rock versus Kenshin and Kong Championship. We had the tag team championship dumpster match. We saw the first meeting of Kane and the Undertaker, probably one of the top five best wrestling matches of the Undertaker there. And then you saw the main event here with Austin challenging Michaels for the WWE Championship with Mike Tyson as the special enforcer. Really one of the best main events ever in WrestleMania history there. Sean was back in action. They even had the DX band with Chris Warren come out and play Sean to the ring there. Pretty badass event. I It's one of my favorite WrestleMania's of all time. I, I can watch that WrestleMania back over and over and just still be astonished about everything that's happened that night. It was really crazy. Tremendous success there. So now you got, you know, the main event there. And it's pretty crazy. The first time we saw that, heard that song when Mike Tyson come out there, by DX and um, the DX band there, and it's pretty cool. You know, I like it. It's called Fist. You can actually listen to it on the WWE Anthology on Spotify or Apple Music. It's called Fist, the DX, Mike Tyson's DX version of his theme song. So it's pretty cool. I like it. You know, Sean, Mike Tyson come with the DX shirt, doing the cross chop to people in the crowd tonight in Boston. You know, 
Hey, I think that's, that was way better than what happened to Pete Rose being two somebody king, you know. <laughs> so, or seeing Jennifer Gardner there, you know, and talking to The Rock and coming out with Jeff Jarrett that night. But pretty crazy, though. Pretty crazy event there. See, Stone will come out next. Sean come out last. And you can see, really see the way Sean was hurt throughout the entire matchup there. Mind you, his previous matchup was World of a Night against the Undertaker. Now, two months later, over two months later, we see him in Austin, May 14th there. And, of course, you know, referee gets knocked out there. You know, Sean switching music. Mom, Austin counts into the stunner. One, two, three. We now have Austin as the champion, but it wasn't referee. It was Mike Tyson that counts in one, two, three there. So I'm like, Wow, okay, Stone Cold the champion now. Is Mike Tyson Jip DX? Is he turned on DX? Like, what's going on here? He's showing, like, getting back to the speed there. Sean takes the DX shirt and said, No, no, he's supposed to be with us. He's supposed to be with us, you know? That's how we're supposed to go. And you see Sean about to throw a right hand. And Mike Tyson counts and knocks out Sean Michaels in the middle of the ring. That was probably one of the best things that could have happened at that time. And it's pretty crazy, you know? And then, you know, Austin gets. Mike Tyson, the Austin 316 shirt, and Mike Tyson's holding up above his head, flashing Austin 316, and it was just pretty crazy. It was really cool. It was success, that whole main event. It was a good way to pass the torch in the Austin era had Jim Ross quality Austin era has begun, and it was, it was, it was like the perfect way to end that era and end WrestleMania that night. It was pretty crazy. Of course, we know the history that they had the WrestleMania post-press conference happened when Sean had quit. He didn't retire, but he quit the company at the time, and we knew that everybody knew that was the last match of the world, because that back injury had to take some time off, or possibly just call it quits to his entire career. Thank God he didn't. You know, as Sean would come back to in-ring competition in 2002, almost five years later. So thank God. But this is the question jump in the air. What happens to DX? That's the big question. What happens to the group of generation X? Triple has stated he had a very major announcement to make the next night of Raw on March 30th, 1998, where he came out with China. The only two members of DX left. He still got the DX shirt on. They still come with the DX music, all that. So I'm like, okay, maybe DX is not over. But Triple has stated it's going to be now DX Army, the new generation X. What he did was so damn cool. He brought back one of his old buddies, who was Dean, also part of the clique that people didn't really know about. He brought back Sean Waltman, known as X-Pac. He wasn't known as... Six was as he was in NWO WCW. He he quit that company. He returned on March 30th, 19th episode of Raw. Triple H introduced him as X Pac. Badass name with the S having X Pac. It was pretty cool. He wasn't called one two three kid anymore. He's now called X Pac. You know, because and best friends, Sean Waltman and Hunter Tumbley are best friends in real life. You know, it, it only made sense for X Pac to be brought back in Pit and Generation Next. You know, it was pretty cool. I love the outfit. He has leather coat, he has DX shirt, his bandana. I think that's probably probably one of the coolest things that ever could happen to Generation X. Like, I got a good episode on Sean Walton one day. This is so surreal. This is really badass. I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, it was the best thing. But also let nobody know that there wasn't the official DX army yet. There was still one member to be recruited. As everybody I thought knew this was coming. In the main event that Raw, we had doing job loss, challenging... The now new tag champions, Chainsaw Charles and Captain Jack, to a tag team steel cage championship match that night. And we just saw D- New Jalas beat the holy hell out of Captain Jack and Chainsaw Charlie with the assist of China and Triple H and X Park that night. He came out to assist them. And New Jalas had won their tag team championships late on that night. And 
also recruited the New York Outlaws. You know, as Jerry Law said, I think we're looking at the new DJ and Schnucks. You know, all four of them, including China, standing above the stage together, and Twitch pointing to all of them, saying that this is the new DJ Schnucks. This is going to be the new DX going forward. And, you know, it was badass. It was amazing. You know, the new DX, I mean, take it from me, though. If you can compare Sean's brother's DX, which is him, China, and Helmsley, to now the new, X, new DX, which was just Helmsley, China, which I was an X-Pod, kind of wish the wish. Kind of which DJ next was better, you know, the old DX and the new DX. Either way, they still kept the tradition alive because they still did as much of the antics as they as the old DX would do. One of the infamous segments was when they had the army truck. I think they had both WWE Men and Raw and WWE Nitro in the same state of Virginia. One was in Hamilton, in Hampton, and one was in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So DX on. April 27, 1998, had took a, that yeah, army truck, <laughs> army car, whatever you want to call it, and wearing these uh, camouflage soldier outfits with the DX shirts, you know, <laughs> and that uh, cannon, whatever you want to call it. So they did was probably one of the most wild things that any two wrestling companies could do involving each other. Well, they took that truck and go all the way up to Norfolk, Virginia. From there, then you were Hampton, Virginia. All the way up to Norfolk, I think it was about 30 minutes away, less than that. But, like, they did that. They did the entire segment throughout the entire um, night of and Rob and went to their garage door of the Norfolk Scope that night to invade WCW Nitro. Thank God they closed it because had that gate door been open, I think all hell would have been unleashed between both the WWE and WCW that night. But DX was so bold enough to do that, it really ushered in that war. I think for that night, I think WWE Monero started winning the ratings that night after a 86, 83 week deficit loss to WWE Nitro. You know, it was pretty badass. That really started a war between WWE and WCW Nitro that night. It was pretty cool. Thanks to Generation X, you know. But man, when you look back at it though, you really got to think to yourself that DJ Snack was probably the most coolest faction ever. It's going to be one probably my top favorite faction of all time. Because the stuff they did is cool, you know, and the stuff that, you know, nobody else could do but them. They made it work so damn good in their favor that you can't always deny all saying went too far because they did what's best for the company. They did what's best for the fans that night. And it gave us so much laughter and memory that we got to look back on it and say, damn, that was so damn good. I want to watch it over and over and over again. You know, I'm really... Makes you want to feel what they felt like, like doing all those ridiculous segments and those laughter and sexual window windows. Like, it was so damn cool. It's not known as a thing in real life now where you do a cross chop. You don't even have to be a wrestling fan to know what that is. Or you say suck it to somebody. It's like a known phrase. It's like a universal phrase now where you can literally do it anywhere, anybody, who you want to, you know, and just not control for it because everybody knows what that is, you know. It's pretty damn surreal. You know, it really is. And look back at it, they really ushered in the attitude era, which will be probably one of the most greatest eras in the W's history. You know, it really does. And I was, you know, even as a little boy, about four or five years old, watching that, and it was just being so much made. They made my childhood more fun than any other thing that could ever happen during during that time period. I, I loved it. I really did. You know, it was the best thing that ever could happen to the W at the company at the time. You know? But what are your thoughts, though? Do you really think that D-Generation X was the best faction equipment? I think there really was. Old DS, new DS, whatsoever, they made us laugh every chance they got. They gave memories that you can never forget. 
and they ushered in what would be known as after the greatest era in WWE's history. In my opinion, it really was. But what do you guys think about the X though? Did you like them? Did you hate them? They went too far. They didn't do too much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Give me your thoughts about it. Tweet me at Phenomenal1J on Twitter and talk about your opinion. What do you think about this episode? And this DX one of your top factions or the greatest faction in your, your opinion of all time. But thank you for guys listening to this full episode of my podcast here. I definitely have fun with this. And it's really amazing because next week I want to have a special, not really much of a Christmas special of, you know, my podcast, but we're going to do something different. We're going to talk about the greatest main events in Monday Night Raw history. Think of any main event that you've watched within the past 20-something years of Monday Night Raw. 25 years um what? 20, 27 years now, Monday Night Raw. Think about the greatest main events. Tweet me some of your favorites or, you know, DM me about it. But I'm going to tell you, my opinion is many greatest main events in Monday Night Raw says so We're going to talk about that next week on my podcast, God, God Out Heart Wrestling, featuring your George Mohanis. Thank I am back in the saddle. And I will be assured you, I'm going to do my best to be here every Wednesday to give you some of the best episodes ever. Me talking about wrestling straight from the hip, it's going to be me, Jamal Honest, every, with you every Wednesday here on God of Heart Wrestling. You know, listen to it, any any um, platform that is podcast on it, I will be there. My episode will be available up, upload right after I sign off here. But thank you guys so much. And I really appreciate you, you know, still listening to my podcast, even though I've done them. You know, in over a month now, but you guys still listen to it and tune in, and it's just it feels amazing to have that fan support there. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday here on God Out Heart Wrestling, featuring us truly, my homies. Everybody have a great holiday. Christmas coming up soon. Get your Christmas shopping done. Get your Christmas trees up if you had none. So put the decorations, the little tinsels, candy canes, all that. Buy your gifts and just be happy and be joyful that we can enjoy the holiday season all together. Thank you guys and everybody stay safe here on God of Heart Wrestling with me, my homies.